0: This podcast is sponsored by Microlink, the UK's largest assistive technology and workplace adjustment provider. Hi, I'm George Silvanero, and I'm here today with Dr Nasser Siabi, the Chief Executive Officer of Microlink, one of Business Disability Forum's partners Uh, and delighted to be able to speak to Dr Siabi today about all things occupational health and workplace adjustments. Um, just because we're uh, very interested to ensure that this is not just a conversation with Dr. Siabi, we would really look forward to hearing from people and getting feedback and indeed questions for Dr. Siabi himself. So by all means, email us at media at businessdisabilityforum.org.uk, telephone us at 20 or tweet us at Twitter handle smart. So we're talking, as I say, about all things occupational health and workplace adjustments. And indeed, I guess one of the things to sort of start this off really is that the all-party parliamentary group on looking at occupational health has gone as far as to say that there's a crisis uh, in occupational health. 64% of occupational health practitioners in the UK are over 50. Over 50% are likely to retire in the next 10 years and there's not adequate replacements. And this happens, of course, at the same time as the population of Britain is ageing fast. Um, By 2020, one in three workers will be aged 50 plus, uh, and that will be the largest segment of the work population from about 2023, 2024. Um, But of course, we can talk about occupational health and we can talk about the recruitment crisis, but perhaps there's also something about just doing it differently as well. That's where we're delighted to have Dr. Siabi, who's Chief Executive Officer, as I say, of Microlink, a leading provider of adjustments for employees and students that have adjustment requirements here with us today. So look, Dr. Siabi, thank you very much indeed for your time. Firstly, I mean, do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience of delivering workplace adjustments that deliver the right adjustment quickly? Hello, George, thank you for inviting me for for this podcast. Um, I I
1: think the issue you've highlighted has become pretty dominant among the uh, healthcare providers and we know from working with many of them that they're they're struggling to recruit the right people. And also the referral rates among the people has gone up and that's actually putting a a lot of pressure on resources. Um, MicroLink started about 25 years ago. Our our prime uh, role was to help disabled students at university have the right adjustment to achieve um, the potential and indeed um, in 25 years we've helped more than 250,000 students. That was one of our pride achievements in life and we we obviously uh, think um, those people have gone on to do great things and I have very good examples of how people have succeeded whereas they would have not managed to come out of education with anything um, to, to live with. Um, But about 10 years ago, uh, we we got involved with BDF and I was really um, delighted to be admitted into one of the partner um, organizations. It was, uh, we were a small company and certainly we had something uh, unique to offer. Uh, When we came here, we we worked with a big organization like Lloyds Banking Group to start re-engineering the work placement adjustment program. It was a blank piece of paper and we've gone on to do great things. It's become the industry standard uh, gold-plated service, but I can go through that later.
0: Okay, Dr. Siabi, thank you for that. And indeed, I mean, it's an extraordinary achievement, over 250,000 disabled students that you've been able to help in this country in 25 years. Um, And as you say, 10 years of being amongst the leading workplace adjustment providers as well. I guess as a... um, an organisation that's working with organisations around workplace adjustments. What's your perspective on where employers tend to go wrong in how they approach workplace adjustments?
1: Well, um, when we entered this market in the corporate sector, there weren't any other providers, there weren't any organisations who were doing this end-to-end service provision. So when we started working with Lloyds Bank, um, we learned a great deal and and it was really more of a trial and error. and I think what we decide, we found, which is still going on with most organizations, um, there the is not a clear uh, strategy in most organizations. Uh, very few organizations have top layer of um, senior engagement from like the board level. And certainly uh, stakeholders are not really engaged in the process. To top it all up, there's no funding. There's a lot of funding for occupational health because they take that as Uh, must you must and and they they don't even look at how much they spend on that because it's accepted they need it but when it comes to this very important area which can reduce their spend on occupational health I'm afraid the funding is always a major issue so we've found that uh, by speaking to the people who really want to do it right very quickly we can get them around and do a, a very quick process that works but uh, actually implementation takes a lot longer because they have to go and convince others in the organization. So that's a bigger problem that, uh, to resolve.
0: Right. So tell us then, I mean like listening to you, I mean I, there's a couple of key themes I guess that emerge in what you've just said. There's something which is about leadership. There's something which is about understanding process. There's something which is about recognizing what role occupational health has. And indeed, perhaps, where there might be a different role for occupational health. Um, And I guess as well, just that there's clearly that this needs to be properly funded too. So if they're, in some senses, some of the components of what makes for a good workplace adjustment process, ensuring that there's that senior engagement, ensuring that there's adequate funding, ensuring that there is a kind of thought-through end-to-end process... Can you tell us a little bit more then? I'd like to explore each of those kind of components with you then. Yeah. Tell, tell, tell us more about the leadership component and why that's so important.
1: Well, um, you look at the whole workplace adjustment um, program. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. You might have all the components. You might have missing components. Any one of those components will have to be working with others. It needs to fit into a very perfect picture in order um, uh, for it to work properly however you can't design a system unless you see that perfect picture so I think um, the mistake most organizations do actually make and we we still come across them they go to the uh, senior engaged senior managers or senior directors they get the buying from them and they say go and make it happen what they end up doing is actually go and try to re-engineer something from scratch without looking at the best practice look at looking at the what good looks like and this Lloyd's case study demonstrated it wasn't an overnight success we, we worked really hard at it with Lloyd's bank but it's got to a stage where um Senior directors will come in and say, well, I need this done. But they assign a team to actually make sure it happens. But the team have the backing of the senior directors. They can go and tell all the other internal stakeholders, you need to work with us. It's not an option. That is one thing missing. So you could actually have a partner in a company, a, a chairman or a, a chief executive tell the, you know a disability team or a diversity team, can you make us great? the difficulty then is the HR is not engaged you get IT saying we're not playing ball here so you need to actually bring them around the table and that can happen if you have a clear picture of what you want to design what you want to build and often they don't have that picture now we've actually tried to help them to use that um, template that we've created with Lloyds Bank and several other clients I said well here's a starting position you don't have to use us but what you can do Stop wasting a lot of money on external consultants, internal pilots, and all sorts of other inquiries to come arrive at the same decision. This is what a nice picture looks like. Implement it, then improve it. And that's uh, probably the biggest success most companies have. When the senior engagement tells them to do it, they need to go back with a plan, and that plan has to be quick. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why most companies don't end up doing it, because they don't really get back to the, um, the board board directors saying, well, here's a plan, can you fund it?
0: I think as you're talking as well, I mean, one of the things that strikes me is that you're also talking about the fact that this is a whole organisation approach. You made reference to... The variety of different sorts of departments that might be intro like have got an interest, I should say in wanting to be able to deliver if you like a workplace adjustment i I guess I'm conscious of, I don't know, a person with dyslexia for instance, that might require an IT adjustment which involves the IT department, which might involve the procurement department, which might involve the recruitment people, which might involve the HR person, which might involve the line manager, and indeed it might even involve someone in communications, and that's just dyslexia. No. So. <laughs> the,
1: the, it's a chaotic picture actually George, as I said, you might have all the components separately, but ultimately the, the uh, implementation comes down to a line manager. Mm -hmm. you know uh, well I'm dyslexic I need help well first of all I don't know where to send you I know we have some program but I don't know where to send you even if I know where to send you then I have to find the money if I find the money then who's going to help me to implement it because I need to contact IT who do I call in IT and where do I buy the kit Mm -hmm. and these are all the problems that every organization we come across started with they have occupational health managing um health of an individual it's a kind of binary outcome you're either well or you're not if you're well don't come to us if you're not well we'll fix you get you back to work but what happens when they come back to work they're still in the uh, environment that made them unwell so you need to fix that as well occupational health people are very good at diagnosing your health and trying to fix it but they're not very good at um, assessing the impact of your uh, condition on the work you do so when you start putting these jigsaws next to each other, they really need to fit. Like a proper jigsaw, if you put them out of alignment, you'll find that things will not work as well. And because it doesn't work, you won't get the funding, you won't get the backing, you won't get any, because, you know, it becomes an embarrassment. So uh, what we have to really recognize is a place for a line manager, a place for Oc Health, a place for senior engagement, a place for all the other stakeholders, but somebody needs to coordinate it and that person or team has to be either internal to the organization could be quite costly to put it together for a large organization or it should be outsourced and this is where Lloyds Bank um, decided we just don't have the expertise the know-how the experience nor the financial uh, power to to create a big team to manage this whole process so we we'll go to the people who know how to and so that's the that's the secret mm. is to actually make sure all these people talk to each other and they will talk to each other if the senior people tell them to but they also want to fix a problem it's not that they want to put roadblocks in your way they just don't know how to do it and someone needs to tell them well this is the way to do it once they learn it's a plain
0: sailing. Well, we'll come to talk about some of the benefits that have been realised actually at Lloyds Bank from the engagement that they've had with you as, as a provider. Um, and you know, you've, I think, set out really clearly the value of leadership, the value of that whole organisation approach, and the, the looking and the need, I guess, to look for the different expertise that different parts of the system, if you like, can bring. Tell us then, I mean, using Lloyds, I guess, as the example, how do they use occupational health now compared to how they used them at the beginning?
1: Right. Well, um, occupational health uh, is used uh, by different companies differently. They, Lloyds used to use the Oc health as a gateway towards the WPA. Um, workplace Adjustment really didn't fit very well with the, the, the rule, because essentially someone says, I have this problem, they said yes, you have this problem, but we don't have a solution for you. So they outsource it to another company, if they're good at this, to make sure somebody as the experts do it. Sadly, that introduces or introduced a lot of delays and also needlessly added to the cost, because every case you refer, you have to pay them a, an amount of money. Is so, that like for an assessment? No, no, just oh. actually opening a case and dealing with the case mm-hmm. a case is the additional cost of managing the case. So lawyers thought, well, if people are not sick and they just need adjustment, we don't care what their condition is. If it's impacting the work, we want it fixed. So we're not really too hung up about this legal definition of what disability is. Anyone with conditions, whether they're diagnosed, undiagnosed, declared, undeclared, they need help, we'll help them. And so we trust our employees. So when they came, uh, they set up uh, the WPA. They said, well, anyone who has health conditions, here's our health. Anyone who goes to WPA goes to Microlink. Later on, they realized they're not using our health that much for two reasons. One, a lot of the referrals were really asking for simple interventions. Secondly, those who got the intervention, they never actually went off sick. So I believe Lloyd's um, among the um, S- uh, sector in their industry probably the, the, I, i'm not going to quote numbers because i don't know these are uh, commercial confidential but i believe they are they have the lowest budget for occupational health among the banking sector for the same size now i someone needs to go and investigate that and prove it among others but i do suspect um that they are not using our health as much as other organizations because they really are getting it right Ninety um, percent of the people we surveyed a year after intervention, told us they hadn't gone off sick in the past 12 months. That's a huge drop and that's because they're not using our health anymore.
0: Well, that's an extraordinary achievement and a really clear business benefit, uh, financial business benefit, as well as obviously speaking to better productivity and um, better staff morale and engagement. I mean, tell us actually a little bit more about some of those benefits, Dr. CRB. I mean, you've made reference to the fact that occupational health is used significantly less as a consequence of... A uh, kind of a much more defined role for them to handle, if you like, the more complex cases that relate to specific health conditions. Tell us about how costs, for example, have fallen. I'm, I'm sure that our listeners will be very interested in that.
1: Well, we um, when we started, um, there were very uh, little data available because nobody captured data, and uh, indeed, most organisations don't really have much data. Um, about the health condition, the abs- cause of absenteeism, the number of tribunals they go through. These are all confidential. They don't share the public. So um, when we started, all they had was cases took several months to complete. And the average cost was north of 2,000 pounds, maybe 2,800 pounds. And they wanted, uh, this is the, the Mark Fisher, the director of uh, Oxford in the Lords Bank, said, I want it done less than 20 days. And certainly I like it to be more efficient than um, the cost wise Um, needless to say um, five years later with all the re-engineering we did, the cost is dropped to below 700 pounds per case and it's done less than 14 days now this is not even slightly or much better than what the industry average is incredibly substantial better than what others can show partly because the, the process is so smooth For individuals to refer to they even come to the process for things which are not really disability related so we have to refer them back signpost them to the correct department so that's the advantage of actually getting it right uh, so it becomes the people to go to to get other problems resolved not that you want that but actually as a side effect (laughs) <laughs> People
0: want to use it more. Yeah, so I mean that's a, I guess a classic sign of success that you get asked to do even more things. Indeed, yeah. So as you're talking, you're talking about a more than 70% reduction in average case costs and also a reduction in the average time that it takes for a case to be resolved. So that when I say that, I mean that the person receives the right adjustment like, and, and it's actually implemented in place from somewhere between 60 to 90 days to an average of 14 days for a large complex organisation like Lloyds Bank. That's an extraordinary achievement um, and you also kind of made reference before to the number of days lost um, where you, you mentioned that more than 90%, um, there's been a more than 90% reduction in staff absence. Um, tell me as well, I guess, I mean, about, I guess you've to some extent hinted at it, that if you're being asked to do even more things that aren't even related to workplace adjustments, that says something about the value that both line managers and staff are placing on the workplace adjustment process. So, in terms of things like staff morale, for example, how is that?
1: Well, um, even when you get the process right, uh, absolutely, you, you find the line managers actually use that as a tool to improve the morale within the team, the productivity. Now, the, the surveys we've done, these are all in-house data the surveys, and that's scientifically proven, but we have the largest data set anywhere in the world about workplace adjustment, the number of cases, different conditions. We capture hundreds of data and we can analyze. We've demonstrated that line managers, more than 65% of them, have told us they've seen significant um, um, or Incredibly good uh, productivity improvement from individuals. I mean, from one to five, majority put three to five in improvement. A year before, that actually said the impact on the work was again three to five. So it shows that we reversed that condition. Secondly, uh, people who can uh, reported um, absenteeism, about a a thousand people surveyed, around 12,000 days were lost a year later the same people reported 800 days lost so again you see the return on investment on reducing the ab- direct cost of absenteeism is twice or two and a half times more than the cost of actually putting the um, uh, adjustment so the return on investment is just absolutely beyond that but we haven't even measured quantified the improvement in productivity but if something is working well that improves the relationship between the teams, not just the line manager individual. Again, that's not something we can measure, but we know it's good for an organization for a team to work together. There is no tension, there is no stress, and people actually are coming around and, and becoming performing like a team. So there's plenty of benefit that we've actually shown it needs to be obviously done properly by a scientific organization agency <laughs> to, to actually prove this is the way to improve well-being of the workforce regardless of the disability or inclusion agenda. This is a financial benefit to every organization who spend billions every year to get half a percentage improvement on productivity, yet with a very small cost, they can improve it by double digits.
0: Well, I think, um, Dr. Siabi, a more than 90% reduction in sick days amongst a cohort that we knew were taking sick days. These, these are conditions
1: yeah, condition specific. As and out of those 90%, 75% said it was because of the adjustment. So some people could have had skin accident and obviously they were fixed, but 75% said it was because of the adjustment they are now turning up to work.
0: That's an outstanding achievement. I guess one of the things, just one of my final questions really, is a lot of people will say, yes, but that's Lloyds Bank. They're a large organization. They can afford to fund this. You're a small organization yourself. Um, but... How, how much can these sorts of principles, if you like, be applied to smaller and medium-sized employers? Well,
1: I, you know, I, I think I have to say this. Uh, large organizations have a lot of money, and they spend a lot of money, but they're not spending in the right places. They might have a big pot of money to settle legal cases, a big pot of money to look after um, health and occupational health. But when you ask them, why don't you put that sum towards this, they just somehow it's like a puzzle to them. Well, that's not, never been there, so we are not really sure how we can get the money for it. So, but, so large organizations are not really all that smart, I'm afraid sometimes, with the way they spend their money. If they did it in the right way, I'm sure they will get a lot more benefit. Smaller organizations are much better employers because there is that personal relationship between the senior management and the individual. So that the empathy is there because most um, my own personal experience, most organizations, small organizations are set up by entrepreneurs who themselves have, may have suffered a consequence of disability or a health condition. And they, they get it. They actually if they could do it, they would actually make the adjustment. and they, it will take a long time for them to be to give up on someone. So the only problem they have is one lack of guidance, lack of awareness, lack of know-how on how to fix this problem. and above all, they're afraid of the financial consequences. If you were to give them all that information, that there is funding, uh, it's easy to do, and there are people who could help you, then I think you will have a much bigger uptake on this a, amongst a, a small organization than large ones. I'm personally um, convinced um, if the FD and the CEO and um, maybe even the legal people got together and said, what is this about disability? What benefit do we get? I don't think they will hesitate to spend the money in it, but I don't think they engage into that level to try to fix the problem. Large organization, the small organization, I'm afraid, they're not sophisticated enough. They don't realize if somebody's got a health condition, you could still use them in many ways that um, would be better than actually having people who don't have a health condition. Because they're not sophisticated, they often give up
0: early unless they know there is a solution. So there's something, I guess, for all of us in making sure that smaller and medium-sized employers have a better understanding of the sorts of resources and guidance that are available to help them. Um, Look, Dr. Siabi, we've come to the end of our time. I think You've set out um, a whole lot there that I think will be really fruitful and really interesting to our listeners and to others. Um, Speaking, I think, about actually a a really different way of organisations thinking about how they can more intelligently and better use occupational health so that they're using occupational health where they really need to, at the same time as thinking about how they might apply a very different kind of approach, a much more whole organisation approach with good leadership that can really deliver some substantial and significant financial benefits Uh, productivity benefits, morale benefits, a whole lot of different benefits. Well, thank you very much, Dr. CRB. And I'm sure that there'll be people that will be interested to speak further to you, so they can certainly do that. So everyone who wants to can contact uh, Dr. CRB at NASA. N-A-S-S-E-R at microlinkpc.com. Or alternatively, uh, they can contact us here at Business Disability Forum either because we can put you through to Microlink or because you might have a question for us too. And so for those of you who want to contact us, please do at media at businessdisabilityforum.org.uk or... Telephone us here in the UK at 020-7403-3020 or tweet us at Disability Smart. Thank you very much again, Dr CRB. This podcast is sponsored by Microlink, the UK's largest assistive technology and workplace adjustment provider.